Hello? Hey, it's Keith. Oh. Hi, how's the voice? You don't you don't sound excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Am I interrupting anything? I mean, I can call you no. back or whatever. No. No. Okay. How, how's your uh, How's your voice? Is not, it better? Yeah, not too bad. I'm actually doing pretty lucky. I'm just uh, just uh, yeah, lucky with colds on the west coast because uh, I was thinking how like when I moved here before when I was here for like a year and a half, I didn't get sick at all, and this time it's been like six months and I got sick, but it was only really bad for like two days. It's really weird on the west coast. Because then when I go back east, I'm just sick all the time, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, well, maybe it's because they... they maybe, well, I was going to say we have more moisture in the air, but we shouldn't, because you're out in the west coast, you should have just as much moisture. Yeah, I have no idea. I think it's probably just, just luck. But, because, uh, yeah, like, when I was in Montreal, whenever that was, like, I was sick for... It was, like, one of those, like, two weeks of just so sick that I couldn't sleep unless I packed my cheek full of... Uh, of um, cough drops because you know the tickle in my throat just wouldn't let me sleep and that lasted for like two weeks and just as it was starting to go away it hit me again for another two weeks <laughs> I was like this is fucking insane <laughs> whereas on the west coast yeah I don't know that just doesn't happen to me for some reason so I can't complain I feel like you know a little draggy or whatever like just a little under the weather but but I only had a bad throat for like a day and a half so not too bad and I'm at, the, I'm at the library. This seems like incredibly good recording compared to last time. <laughs> like it's so quiet and nice in here. So I was just watching uh, the flooding here in New Brunswick. Oh my God, it's so dramatic. I just saw a video today on Facebook. Yeah, somebody had like one of those little drone cameras and they were flying around. So I got to see a bunch of the flood. Yeah, and that, uh, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's worse. Well, it was bad enough in Fredericton. It seems to be receding, but it might, go, it might come back up. We're supposed to get rain again. Um, I always measure it by uh, if that park across the road from us, if that goes underwater. And it did. It all went under. But it's, it's gone down again. I mean, that means the water is really high when, when the park right across from our, the park from across our, uh, right across our, from our house. If that goes under, it's, uh, yeah, then it's high water. Yeah, because I guess, like, the real bad flood, if I remember right, it was before I was born, right? The one where people were canoeing down Queen the Street? 73, yeah, that's the, that's the famous 1973 flood. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think all the floods are kind of cool, because I don't care about property damage, you know? I just think they're neat. And uh, I always wished I could have seen that one. That one sounded super insane. Well, it was, uh, this one is, uh, this one's coming coming right along there but this one they're comparing it to the one in 2008 which uh, was was quite damaging but not as bad as the, the 73 one the 73 flood what I remember about it is uh, in the night Neil and I went down to uh, I don't know where the hell we came from but anyway the water was up to George Street you know like you've got Queen King Brunswick George. Man, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> now, right now, it's not like downtown Fredericton. It's not into it's not into Queen Street. It's down all the ramps on the bridges are all closed off, and the parking garage behind City Hall, of course, is all underwater. But that goes under quite often anyway. But down below, apparently, now that this the, the the high water from Fredericton is uh, kind of moved on down river, it's down in the approaching St. John, and that's what I was watching tonight. They're all, they're kind of freaking right out. 
Yeah, the little thing I saw on Facebook, the little news clip, was uh, some guy from Gagetown saying that this was the worst flood he had ever seen, but I don't really have any frame of reference for Gagetown or even where it is. <laughs> so, but that's what I, that was the little story floating around. Because I guess it's like New Brunswick in general is the news story, but yeah, Fredericton didn't, wasn't pointed out as particularly crazy. Other places are apparently worse. Yeah, well, Fredericton had its story last week, see, and now it's big time downriver. Yeah, it was still kind of cool, though, just to see in these, like, these aerial shots where this guy was just flying his drone around and taking video, how the water was, like, you know, those piers that, uh, where the, 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 the middle bridge, where there is no bridge, it's just the pillars that are left, how those were oh, almost yeah. covered. The bridge to nowhere with no bridge. Yeah, and like those were almost underwater. So I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah, and the uh, the walking bridge, which would have been the, the old train bridge, uh, they was on Friday, Saturday. The, the water was quite high up there too. You know, like when you looked out, you d you didn't see too much of the piers exposed, but people were still using the bridge. Yeah, that's just cool. Yeah, I like stuff like that. I don't know. I just think it's neat. <laughs> it's cool. Well, I should show you or send you or let you see it when you come home. I have a video that somebody took of the 2008 flood. They were selling them for, uh, I don't know, the money went to cancer research or something. I don't know what the hell it went for. Right. But I bought one. I bought I bought quite a few of them. I bought three or four of them, and I gave them to some people. Uh, now I've still got mine. And it was quite, uh, it, it, it was really well photographed. And it didn't have any um, talking. It was just music and then showing these pictures. And if you know the area, yeah, you'd say, oh yeah, look at all that, man. So this would be very similar to that. Yeah, it's one of those things too that I guess there's really, like I was looking at the, the stuff from this flood and there's obviously, you know, there's all the, the key points. I mean, I guess there were the unusual ones, like there's that one near your house where, uh, you know, the, the overpass from the train bridge, like that always floods, so that wasn't too surprising. But that, um, you know the off-ramp behind the Wendy's on the north side? Like I saw that flooding had kind of reached a bit of that road. Yeah. So I mean I'm like, yeah. oh that's unusual. Like that's, you don't see that every day. But I guess it's one of those things like how would you ever fix it? It's just how Fredericton is, right? <laughs> like there's really nothing you can do. Well, and, and what causes it mostly is uh, if, if we, did, we, everybody was saying we had so much snow this winter, but I disagree. We really didn't have that much. I mean, it's winter for Christ's sake. What do they expect? But up north, they did have quite a bit of snow, and that's what causes it. If they get a fast melt, and we had like we had really cold weather, and then all of a sudden we had some really warm weather, and uh, that causes it to flush right down really fast because it came up fast, really fast. Like Friday of last week, it just uh, you know it was fairly normal, and then bam, all there she was, nice high water. Yeah, that was one of those kind of like dumb thoughts I had because I just woke up and like the first thing I saw on Facebook was this flooding footage and I'm like, oh, well, at least there's no snow. And I mean, of course there's no snow. That's why it's flooded, right? <laughs> it's because everything is melting now. But, but everybody that, uh, I've gotten a whole, everybody saying to me, oh, do you have hot water? You know, and I say, no, we, no, the, if the water ever crosses the road right where we are, well, then man, yeah, you really got to wonder what's going on because it never has. Right in all the time that we've been here, and that's since 1979 when you were born. In fact, there was a flood that year, because um, we lived in a little apartment across the river, 
uh, and when we bought this, the day we had bought this house, we uh, we had rent, borrowed some cars from people and had some friends, and they were helping us move our junk back and forth. And the bridge, which was the old Carlton Street Bridge, which is where those piers are, right. we had just managed. They kept saying all afternoon they were going to close that bridge, which meant uh, we couldn't have gotten over here because the Princess Margaret Bridge, we could have taken it, but the uh, underpass would have been underwater just down the street from us. So uh, we had just made the last run with our junk. I was on the other side with two dogs and uh, I mean cats, no, just the two dogs and me, pregnant lady, <laughs> over there. Well, everybody was doing the run and I heard on the radio they're going to make the last run and I thought, oh, cripes, you know, they're going to close the damn bridge. They're going to be all on the other side with all our gear. I'm going to be over here in this apartment, which i got to get out of tonight or tomorrow morning, um, I won't be able to get across. But we managed to get across on the last run, and then they closed the bridge. So the water was very high that year, too. But not as high as this, obviously, because it's not one of those years where everybody says, oh, my God, 1979, what a year. Yeah, it almost seems weirder to me. Like, the uh, the floods are always, you know, it's kind of a neat, cool thing, but it isn't, like, super rare, right? Like, it's almost weirder when there's not a flood. <laughs> like, that uh, that overpass by Picaroons or whatever. Like, does that ever not flood? That must always flood at least a bit, right? There's a couple of years where it doesn't now because they put a fortune into uh, building it up and putting drainage in it. Right. But when when the river's high like this, it, it doesn't matter. You could... You could have the biggest drain straight going through to hell if you wanted to, but it wouldn't matter. Right. <laughs> There's just too much water. But there was, there's been a few other years, like when you kids were small that are young, that this the park in front of our place had water in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but uh, again, those, uh, so, you know, every couple of years you have the high water floods, but this apparently is one of the, going to be one of the dramatic ones. So we'll have 1973, uh, which is the super flood. Uh, 2008, they keep talking about that one, and now they're saying this one is is getting up close to the 73 flood. Man, it seems. Although like I don't know, you know, not in Fredericton. I don't think it's. It, I don't think it's going to do it in Fredericton because, as they say, the streets downtown are not underwater. But in 1973, they were. King Street, Queen Street, Brunswick Street, because we went down as far as George Street, and couldn't go any further. And, and we, there were some guys out in canoes going down up and down Brunswick Street in the dark. Here, the, well, the street lights were on, and here are these guys in par in canoes in the night. Man, that must be ridiculous too. I mean, as far as like property damage and stuff, like that must just be brutal, right? <laughs> like if if all of downtown is flooded, like geez, every basement ever and all the foundations and shit, it must be awful. Well, see, and in the 73 flood, I got one of the best jobs I ever had in my life, and that was uh, the, the uh, court documents in the provincial building were in the basement, and the basement flooded up, filled up with water. And we got, I got a job that summer at the archives repairing flood damage documents. It was great, got to read all this legal schmeagle stuff, and you take, we'd take each page off and then put two or three layers of, uh, of, uh, absorbent paper on them so they would just suck up the water so that they could then scan them. Oh, yeah. A lot of those documents then got thrown out because you, you, you could never get them completely dry. All we did was get them dry enough so that they could do the scan. Man, that's this is a complete non sequitur, but it just made me think because this is such a weird thing. Is uh, 
I don't remember the guy's name, of course, it's too obscure, but there was this like ancient Egyptian guy where they found, because I'm just thinking like how all these documents and stuff, like in the future, archaeologists, like what are they actually going to find? Is anything going to be left? There was this, apparently they found this big cache of, uh, of documents where they learned a lot about how how like the uh, economic marketplace of ancient Egypt worked because there was this one guy who was like proud basically of being a grifter of being like a flim flam man and he kept all of the like papyrus scrolls complaining about him like whenever people would be like I'm bringing this to the courts or I'm against this guy I hate this guy this guy fucked me over this guy kept copies of all that stuff and they found like a room in an excavation just full of scrolls that all listed this same guy's name in the way that he had bilked everybody. <laughs> and it's like, just so weird because they learned all kinds of stuff from it and it was really like illuminating. But they're like, who was this guy? Why did he keep all of these? What an asshole. He's long gone, nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever be able to get him for slander or libel or anything. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure he had no sense that this would actually be very helpful to people in the future because because it's not just random stray information it's just this big concentration of like here's what this one guy's business dealings were <laughs> and and just by seeing the way that he he wronged everyone you learn more about how things actually worked than you do just from whatever random shit that you might find but yeah just weird what a weird thing to do <laughs> well maybe he uh i don't know why would he keep all that stuff <laughs> Or maybe yeah, he was like, just so into himself that he just couldn't bear to, th to throw out stuff about himself. Yeah, it's like his version of being like famous or something. I don't know. It, it really it just it just calls, it just brings up a lot of questions. But it must have been so weird though to find that stuff and to start going through it and be like, wait a minute, what is going on here? <laughs> like, what is all this? It's like keeping newspaper clippings about yourself but none of them are positive. <laughs> it's like just weird. I guess I could see it if, you know, I don't know, if you're like a serial killer who kept all the news stories about yourself, but it wasn't even that. It was all just petty bullshit. <laughs> this guy kept them all. Yeah, I just thought that was, I don't know, I just, I just think that's funny. You just must have been one of those people who are just anything that was said or written about him or whatever, he just had to keep them. That was his ego, that, you know, just, Especially in those days, I mean, it's not like you could take a video. Well, like, you know, it's like people who take selfies of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, how could he ever know, right, that a thousand years later, <laughs> I guess more than two thousand years later, whatever, he, uh, when was, yeah, Egypt was Old Testament, right? So, yeah, that was more oh, than... Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's he, he, Oh, yeah, big time, before, before, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. I guess that's where my... I don't know. As far as long-term history goes, I still only really know Old Testament and New Testament is the only delineator in my mind. But yeah, how would he have known that all these thousands of years later <laughs> that it worked? Like people still, people know who this guy is. But anyway, I guess the good thing about the flood and everything, I guess the good thing is uh, about flooding and all that is that spring is definitely here. No, no arguing that. So that's yeah, nice. and we've we've had some really decent weather too, quite warm. It's chilly today, but which is good thing. If it's chilly, see, then the, the the water flow slows down. But apparently, we're supposed to get some warm stuff in the next few days, so maybe it'll go back up again. 
Yeah, the weather's also mostly better here, but I guess I'll give you my updated uh, travel schedule because I was just so fed up with the weather out here. I couldn't deal with it anymore, so I finally pulled the trigger and I bought a ticket to... I decided to go to Montreal next because if I'm going back, you know, Toronto or uh, or Montreal, I'm like, well, why not Montreal? But uh, yeah, it's just because I just just couldn't take it with the weather. And then as soon as I bought those tickets, the weather got better here, but still like I don't know it's weird it's like the weather got nicer and I'm like oh here we go this is the west coast that I like like this is kind of what was in my mind when I came out here but then it would get rainy and terrible for like four straight days again and I'm like yeah no I'm, I'm doing the right thing <laughs> like I just uh it's like I haven't it's like I don't have any inoculation against the weather this time because I came out here while it was shitty it's been shitty for six months as soon as it gets shitty again, like, I just have no defense against it. I'm just like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> so, uh, so this is my last month in BC for now. And, uh, well, Montreal's probably quite pleasant in the summer. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. So, yeah, I've got June and July in Montreal, and then, uh, I guess in August I'll probably go to Toronto. So I don't have anything long-term very figured out, but I figure I'll go to Toronto for a while and then maybe back to New Brunswick around Christmas. So are time. you still planning on that, uh, like that trip that you make out to that guy's parents' cottage? Or oh yeah, maybe. Camp or mansion or whatever it is. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. But last time I spent like way too much time in Toronto just so I would be around for that trip and I ended up you know, like an extra six weeks in Toronto. Just So this time I'm just gonna let them figure it out and I'm just not gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna plan any of my traveling around it because uh, Toronto and Montreal are so close that it's only for a weekend anyway. Like you can get a train ticket to Toronto for like $40. Like, you know, if I happen to be in Montreal when that happens, I'll just come to Toronto for the weekend. And you seemed to enjoy Montreal when you were there, didn't you? Yeah, I'm quite... That, uh, I think that uh, that kind of cultural bilingualism was kind of rubbing off on you. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to go back, because, yeah, I feel like Montreal, it is a really good mix. Like, it's not Europe, Europe, which was just too far away and too weird. It's still Canada, but uh, but also the language that I can't... Or, you know, the, the other language isn't something I can't speak. It's not Dutch or whatever. <laughs> it's just French, which I can get a, get by on. And it's right by Toronto, like it is just a, like a four-hour little ride between the two cities. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I remember the day in Montreal that I set up this trip out here to Vancouver. And I wasn't necessarily that excited. I was just like, well, I got to go somewhere for the winter, so whatever, I'll just do Vancouver. Whereas now that I plan to go back to Montreal, I'm like, yeah, I'm all set. Like, I'd go right now. I, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> like, I still like the West Coast a lot, but... But yeah, I shouldn't have, just coming here for the winter, it's just not a good idea. It's too dark, too rainy, kind of, uh, in my mind, my little happy thoughts about BC have been very much rained on. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, so where are you staying in Montreal? Like in, right in Montreal Central or? Yeah, oh, that's the other thing that's great. So for this trip to BC, it's, the neat thing, I guess, about this trip is this is where I've been learning a lot about the outskirts. Like, I only stayed in Vancouver proper for, like, three weeks of this whole trip because I would just go to wherever was cheap. So I would just go to the outskirts because uh, they're easy to get to. Like, there's a really good transit system out here. And it's all beautiful. Like, everything in BC is beautiful. The further away you go, the more beautiful it is. Like, last month I was in this place that... It's uh, Surrey, which sucks. Like, Surrey is the murder capital of BC. It's fucking garbage. It's just, like... 
it really makes me disappointed in white people <laughs> because because like out in Surrey like there's a lot of uh, you know it's all diverse because it's Canada and you'll see like like Indian dudes in turbans and in suits and they look like a million dollars they look awesome meanwhile every white person there is just like a just wearing a hoodie and they're all just kind of drugged out looking and they're just white trash pieces of junk <laughs> like every single one and I'm just like fuck fuck I hate the people in Surrey they're terrible except anyone who's not white is awesome and they've got their shit together and it's like yes please culturally appropriate this place take it over because we are doing a bad job with Surrey <laughs> anyway that being said there's this part in Surrey that's like old growth forest or medium growth I guess they call it it's not like super old but it's this big park that is just like overgrown and crazy and trees everywhere and it's like super awesome and like I went off one of the paths once and was just trying to go through the brush and it's this weird feeling of like I bet no one has been through this part of this woods in 50 years because it's like impossible like this is what the earth would be like if we weren't here and it's just in Surrey, it's just in this terrible part of BC. Like, BC is a neat place, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, like, even the outskirts where I have been relegated to are cool. It's been neat to learn about them. But, so you remember I was telling you about that place I stayed where it was so high up a mountain that it had its own weather? Yeah. Like, it was snowy up there. So that place was only $19 a night. It was the cheapest place I stayed this whole time because it was so far out of the way. Whereas in Montreal, I'm staying at this place that I stayed at last summer that is awesome. It's like one of the greatest Airbnbs I've ever stayed at. It's this nice house in this nice neighborhood. It's the same neighborhood Matt Jenkins used to live in when he lived out there. It's near a subway. It even has its own bathroom. Like my room has an adjoined bathroom. It's beautiful. Like even if I was a millionaire, this is the place I would choose. And it's $19 a night because Montreal is just way cheaper <laughs> than BC yeah so I mean it's, it's awesome so I've got basically I've got this month in BC set up a plane ride to Montreal two months in Montreal all set up all laid out ahead of me because I've just been saving up money this whole winter and and it's just great because it's also so cheap like Montreal is like like I said $19 a night it's, it's awesome so where like where is it like it's, I know a little uh, bit about Montreal, like... So, uh, yeah, I guess it's like... Is it like, in, like, Verdun? Is it in... The, uh, the... I'm trying to remember how the... The subway system is a little weird in... In Montreal, but it's this place called Côte Vertu that... Uh, yeah, so I guess it's like... It's behind, um, Mont-Royal. I guess, like, yeah, if you, like, instead of going up Mont-Royal, if you, like, skirt around the western edge of it, and then walk about another three or four miles, you know, that's where it is. So uh, on the subway, it's really easy to get to. And even on foot, like, you know, it'll take you a couple hours, but, but it's right by a subway and it's just a suburb. It's just, it's near enough the airport that there's airplanes going by, but, but far enough that they're not loud, you know, it's just neat to watch airplanes go, but they're not rattling your brain. Like when I lived in New York, I lived by LaGuardia and it made the whole house shake, you know, none of that bullshit. So yeah, it's so, just. Uh, uh, so when you leave the subway, like how far is it? Oh, like at that point, probably a ten or twelve minute walk from the subway to this place. And like I said, it's right by where Matt used to live. So I just like when I got there, I'm like, oh wait a minute, I recognize this neighborhood. Like back in 2011 or 2012, when Matt lived there, and me and uh, Chris Harding would go visit him. So I just already know that neighborhood. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I've been here before. 
so it's nothing special it's just a just a whatever neighborhood but uh but the sub and the subways are so good in montreal like they're beautiful like the way they you go so deep down and some of them have like chandeliers and cool like uh stained glass and just all it's the best subways i've ever seen and cheap it's also the cheapest transit like toronto's the worst and bc here's like pretty good it's not too expensive but it's not great but like a monthly pass here in bc is like 90 bucks and in montreal it's like 80 like it's even cheaper <laughs> for the whole system too because if you want the full deal in bc it's like 120. see yeah, montreal's just good <laughs> i just like it it's a good place um boy that was quite the thing in toronto wasn't it or where the guy drove the van all along the street and yeah man that was killed a, all those people yeah my friend mike used to live right up by there like i I remember the only time, the only like memory I've got of that neighborhood is it couldn't be more different. It was the winter time and I stopped outside some building to check my phone and somebody was like, hey buddy, you shouldn't stand there. And he pointed to like a sign that said, don't stand here in case ice falls off the, the roof. And I'm like, oh, thank you. So like my only experience in that neighborhood was just like, oh, what nice people. <laughs> and then I just, I mean, that was 10 years ago. But yeah, then I see that and I'm like, whoa, that's significantly different. Yeah, it seems like... Yeah, see, it could have been just anybody, eh? Just anybody that walked along the street. Of course, he apparently was targeting women. Yeah, I read uh, up a little bit about him, and it just, it seems like, it really does seem just kind of, just, like, too simple to even be interesting. It's like this movement called incel, involuntary celibacy. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm 25, and I haven't had sex yet. And, and I'm it's a like, loser. Yeah. It's <laughs> Basically, like, no woman wants me. Yeah, and it's like, all right, so, I mean, that's a thing, sure. We have a weird society. That's a discussion you could have. But even if, even if that's your plan, you're like, okay, I hate this world. I hate how this is. I'm going to, I'm going to rebel. It's still just lame. It's like, oh, I really think it was, this is what's extra sad about it is it seemed like he was trying to do a death by cop type of thing you know where like in the yeah. states you go on a shooting spree just so they'll take you out but it's canada so he didn't have a gun like he was just holding his wallet as though it was a gun and he was yelling at the cops like shoot me in the head but then the cop realized like that's not a gun that guy's holding so they just pulled out their billy clubs and arrested him so yeah it's like just it failed on every front <laughs> it's just ridiculous but it's amazing that they didn't kill him because look at that kid on that bus uh, in, in Toronto a while back. But see, that's probably why they didn't. They've gotten one hell of a lot of flack. That Sammy Yatim guy, whatever his name was, the kind of nutcase on the bus who had the knife. Right. And they shot him. And, and everybody was off the bus at that point in time. And he was, uh, he was up by where the driver would be at the entrance. And they shot him. And they shot him, uh, like, a lot. He was, he was 17. That's probably if that's it was two or three years ago now. And they got a lot of shit as a result of that. Because somebody, of course, it was there with the video camera. So uh, with this guy, um, yeah, it, it, they could have taken him down. But they, they probably uh, held up because of that. Yeah, it's yeah, weird cause, too. Yeah, I mean, because he, he was actually saying, yeah, come and shoot me. <laughs> and it's weird too, like, yeah, the, the gun thing. Like, it's so institutional in America that I don't know how you would ever change that. Like, obviously, all those police shootings are just because they're gun-crazy culture and everyone does have a gun. And then on the other side, there's, like, England and Australia and Japan where nobody has guns. 
it's weird in Canada. Like, yeah, why do our cops... Our cops could probably get away with not having guns. Do they really need them? <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't need them as much. Yeah. They, yeah. It's one of those things, too, with that. Yeah, it's just like there's no... It's like, well, I guess if he kill, if they killed the guy, okay. And they didn't... They arrested him, okay. It's like there's no good outcome. It's like, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, either way, it's just terrible, so... Well, it's pretty... It must have been pretty freaky for those people on the sidewalk. They were just walking on the sidewalk. And here's this van. And even some of them who tried to, you know, push themselves up against buildings and things for protection. No, nope, he just dran- rode right into them. I guess he did a little better than... Do you remember there was a... Because he just said similar th- sort of thing. There was this guy, Elliot Roger, I think his name was, or Rogers, a few years ago, who was similar. Like, his stuff was all, like, misogyny-based and, like, I hate women and I'm going to kill everybody. But that guy, he he did, like, drive-by shootings, but he just did a bad job. He shot at a bunch of people. I think he might have killed two or three people, but he just... He just did a bad job at it. <laughs> then he also got arrested. I assume. I don't know what happened to that guy. But yeah, I don't know. All these plans are just like bad plans. Like, I guess if you're just crazy and you're just, you know, I'm just going to hopefully go do this crazy thing and I'll get killed. But I just always feel disappointed that it's like if I, I feel like if I was going to go nuts on society, I mean, I've seen enough Batman movies, you know, surely, surely you could do something better more well planned out surely i don't know i guess that's the wrong way to think about it well i think most of them are uh they're kind of suffering from some mental delusion or deficiency or something so i don't think that they're able to do that super big plan yeah yeah well that's like it's uh, like in the moment they're in the moment i uh, heard this interview with there's this pro wrestler who uh i saw in toronto once who uh his name's uh, tomaso champa and he was telling this story it was really creepy it was a, from about 10 years ago when he had first gotten into wrestling and they had accepted him into wwe but then he got released and he just felt like his life was over and what's he gonna do and you know he built his way back up over the past 10 years and now he's back but he told the story of a night that he tried to kill himself And the part that I thought was the most interesting about it, it was a standard kind of, he got real drunk and real high and then just tried to uh, gas himself in his car, you know, that type of thing. But some parking lot attendant found him. But But he was kind of describing like how there's no, like it still feels like a dream when he thinks about it because he just wasn't in the driver's seat, you know? Like he was so high and so drugged up and so depressed and so weird that he was just kind of floating along watching a little movie of himself you know trying to kill himself and he said that was like the creepiest part of it is like it still doesn't feel like it was him and i wonder if these people it's similar you know it's like you're just in like a fugue state and you're just doing this stuff but it's like you're not really there (laughs) yeah i get you because that's and that's when you said you know you plan something out well i don't think they're able to kind of come up with that like a big long-term plan of how this is going to unfold yeah it's just like in the moment yeah, cause and I guess whatever is in the moment is what they do. Because if you're cogent enough to come up with a big-time, long-term plan, then you'd probably, just in the process of doing that, you'd think of all these other ways to just improve your life, and you just wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, if yeah, I'm going to put this much work into this. Or you'd be questioning yourself on, well, maybe I shouldn't do that because or maybe there's a better way to do it here. You know, And you'd spend so much time in the plan that, yeah, you probably would never do it. Yeah. And you'd think, and you'd think in the long term too. Okay, now if I get caught, what do I do there? How do I get away? How do I, 
You see, and, you, and you'd also, that would all have to be part of your plan, too. It couldn't just be, I'm going in there and shooting up a bunch of people. If you were really thinking out the plan, you'd have the end of the plan. That's and most like of them a, don't, eh? Yeah, that's like, I always used to think that about school shooters also. Like, why does this always end so lame? How come there's never a big, exciting cross-country chase? Like, you started the, you know, even if you think of it as like a video game and I'm just going to not care about human life and I'm going to go shoot people, why does it end there? You know, jump in a car, go on a chase, have an adventure, but I guess like it just doesn't work like that. Like no one's mind, you know, it's, it, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, they just seem to get like, I'm going there and I'm doing it. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end. That was an idea that I had. I'm still going to use it someday, but for like a villain, for a novel, that was going to be his backstory of why he's this evil dude, is that he's the one school shooter who escaped and just started a new life and no one ever caught him but now he's a twisted weirdo <laughs> you know? but that's that never happens and that never will happen like yeah it's like yeah it's like once these plans get set into motion it's like no one can see beyond the next you know four hours or something <laughs> and like it has to end at that point see and i think that often to, to people who commit suicide like uh they plan the suicide do they ever think about, well, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't take, or... Yeah, oh, did you uh, ever... Or, or what, what happens after? <laughs> there is like... And then you think, if you thought about that enough, well, then you wouldn't do it. One of the creepiest documentaries I've ever seen, it came out about 10 years ago, it's called The Bridge, where they filmed the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and they filmed it for months, because people jump off it so often. And uh, the idea was if they saw somebody exhibiting the behaviors of someone who might jump, you know, like they're pacing back and forth or they're calling someone on the phone or they have those looks, particularly if they climb up over the railing, they would call the bridge authorities to try to save people. And they did save a few people. But if nothing, you know, if nothing could happen, then they got the footage of these people jumping. It was super creepy. Like it really sounds like a horrible thing to do. But they did actually save some people. And then what was really interesting is the people who didn't die, like there'd be an occasional person who would like break both their legs and bust their pelvis, but somehow not die when they hit the water. And universally, every single person said the on the way down, it's like suddenly their mind cleared and they're like, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> this is not really what I wanted to do. And that's just a creepy thought that like probably everybody who, at least who kills themselves by jumping off something, on the way down, that's when their mind clears and they're like, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was a really creepy, really creepy documentary, but it was like illuminating. It was interesting. I guess that's when the food state clears, right? <laughs> yeah. On your way down, bam, oh. Yeah, and that's where it tied into like that, that Tommaso Ciampa guy. Like, I thought that was so interesting to hear him describe it that way of like, because even on like a smaller level, like if I'm just like losing my temper about something, you know, and I'm just like, then the next day, it's like, well, that was embarrassing. I can't believe I lost my temper. But it doesn't really feel like that. The me of today doesn't feel like that guy. You know, <laughs> I was just like in a state and I was just being an idiot. And like, it's interesting to think how many things in life that could apply to. And I mean, yeah, jumping off a bridge or shooting up your school or driving over people with a car. Like, it's like <laughs> just all this stuff that it's like, maybe if you did just get past that afternoon it wouldn't have been I don't know it's just like it's like yeah like that's where it's like like I heard this saying once about how in fiction good guys are boring and bad guys are interesting 
but in real life good guys are interesting and bad guys are boring and it's because there is no bad guys in real life like that's just not what it is like anyone who does these big evil plans it's just because their brain isn't there <laughs> they're just not like no one has the big james bond evil villain take over the world plan they're just they're just out of it and they just do weird crazy shit and there is no there is no grand vision <laughs> you know, there is no super villain take over the earth so it's just a shame it's just a big tragedy it's never like whoa this guy it's like like you know how in like every dumb movie like all the screens suddenly have the bad guy's face on them and he's like here's my evil plan <laughs> like that's never gonna happen because nobody with that kind of wherewithal does evil shit and see in the real world too it's for everybody who does do let's say those evil things and everybody thinks the victim the victim and how the victim's suffering yeah but you know what there's a whole bunch of people connected in with the bad guy too who are also victimized yeah by that so yeah it's not it's well it's just not like black and white yeah, there's all know. kinds of effects of whatever whatever people do evil good whatever there's all kinds of effects that are so it's like a big eddy in a pool it just spreads out and out and out yeah, that's like, I feel like even our, uh, I mean, our our go-to in the 20th century was just good old Hitler. <laughs> but even like Hitler, you can't just look at him and go like, what an evil guy. Like, it's Hitler not even... had a mother. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> even, it's not even valuable to look at it that way. It's like, so why did this actually happen? What were all the causes? And like, how did this one guy become the cog in this horrible machine? But yeah, it's not like Hitler just decided, you know what, I'm evil. Let's kill all the Jews. Like, you know... <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, you go back into his history. Well, you have to go even back further than that. You can't just start off with his life and say, okay, well, he was born and these things happened to him. He was a, a creature of, uh, of centuries and centuries of, of anti-Judaism. Yeah, like that's uh, one thing I've found looking into it is it does seem like the economics and the social climate had way more to do with it than him. He just was the right guy to grease the wheels, basically. And he obviously had a whole lot of other guys who went along with him. Right. They were all in the same boat, all brought up in that same environment. That same, uh, you know, uh, World War One, the financial stuff, of the, the depression afterwards, the government breakdown in Germany. Um, and not in, just in Germany, in, uh, in all of Europe. Um, yeah, you're right. He was like the guy. If it hadn't been him, would it have been somebody else? Would it have been one of those other guys that kind of folded in with him they were all looking for something better yeah like yeah would it have been somebody else probably yes yeah like it might not have been the same or maybe not as brutal but maybe maybe just as much or like if there was no hitler would we just talk about mussolini instead <laughs> you know, yeah, was, or maybe, maybe maybe there would have it would have been a goebbels or it would have been a um Oh, Goebbels is the first one that comes to mind. But there's a whole raft of those guys that were kind of all on the same page. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that was pretty crazy shit in Toronto. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Well, I mean, you, you hear about it quite often in, well, in London. It, they, they, But that was supposed to be a terrorist one in that one. You know, they're, they're on a bridge just about a year ago. A bunch of tourists walking on a bridge in London. Bam, oh, some guy go, drives over them with a car. It killed all kinds of people. Man, I think the really bad one 
Because, like, yeah, the car thing seems like it's becoming a little more popular these days, but it's still relatively small. There's only so much you can do with a car. But I think it was also in England, but the uh, arena where a bunch of people with guns just, like, blocked all the doors at a concert. And oh, I, yeah. And yeah. just gunned yeah. down, like, so many people. Like, that was crazy. And then, of course, and then in there America, was, there was that Las Vegas thing. But I feel like the I'm, one I'm, in Las Vegas. That's what I was thinking. With your people down on the street at an open air concert, and some dude up in his little balcony in a hotel opens fire. I feel like America, though, is almost in a different discussion. I mean, how there's like a school shooting literally every six to eight weeks, and like it's oh, just yeah. become part of their culture. Like they're beyond. Like it's, it's not even. It's almost like you, you you just become hardened to it too. It's like oh, another one. Yeah. And they just like keep you demonstrating even, You don't even that, feel real sympathy for it or shock anymore. It's just, oh yeah, another one. Yeah, because they, they just keep sort of showing that they don't care. <laughs> you know, like their stupid society never changes. So it's just like, well, this is just how it's going to be. Like it was kind of, I mean, uh, with this Canada thing, it was like, wow, this is the worst mass killing since, what was it? I think it was like that Montreal uh, hospital shooting, which was like a long time ago. So, I mean, that was at least a nice thing in a way about Canada is like, this doesn't happen every day. Whereas, and I think that's why it was, it was shocking. Yeah. Whereas in, in the States, it's gotten to be so commonplace. Um, even up to the point, like they, they keep talking about the Columbine shooting. And the only one that's, I think by that one keeps surfacing is those two young men together went and did that whereas most of them it's loners who do it but over but since that time i mean god there's been any numbers of them we've had them in canada too but uh, in the states it's it's unreal it's unreal how many they have like every time we turn around <laughs> that's the worst one of those was though they um that with that sandy brook one where they went in and killed the little those kids were like in grade one for christ's sake yeah, it's really, it is crazy. Like, that's one of those things where I would love to time travel back to uh, Second Amendment days. And, you know, they're they're penning it up of, like, you know, citizenry should have the right to bear arms for the purposes of uh, maintaining a local militia and all that blah, 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 that nobody ever actually talks about the full sentence. But then, like, show them, like, hey, look where this went, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm sure the Founding Fathers would be like, whoa! This was not what we meant. Like, they would rewrite that fucking document for sure. Oh, they would, yes, for sure they would. They yeah. wanted those guns so they could go out and kill Indians. And, and to and make uh, sure, yeah, that the fucking, you know, England didn't come take them over again. Like, it kind of made sense back then. But, yeah, it's gotten ridiculous. And, yeah, I don't know, just America. <laughs> they're just, like, you can't even talk to them about it. They're just, they're just insane. And every time some uh, young black guy gets shot up <laughs> and killed, oh yeah, well, you, you always know how that's going to end up, even if there's video, really clear video showing what happened. Oh, it doesn't matter, the cops get off on that one. Yeah, and it is like how, you know, that, um, like you were saying about just getting uh, desensitized to it. Like, yeah, it's like not even... It's like, it's just tiresome to even debate it anymore. <laughs> like, I've just kind of hit the point where I'm just like, yeah, you know what, that's fine, America. Just shoot each other, I don't care. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I'm just glad I don't live there. It's funny, too, uh, I was reading a book about uh, traveling. It was about, it was like for, like, CEOs, and it was, like, describing how to take mini, the guy called it, like, mini retirements, like, instead of retiring and the end of your life, like, how to 
take off two or three months without your business crumbling. But he was describing um, traveling to these parts of the world that people consider dangerous. And he said that what he thought was funny was when he got there, he'd get to these places that people think of as like, you know, South America and stuff, like, oh, how dangerous. And then when he'd tell people he was from New York, they'd be like, holy shit, I would never go there. That's way too dangerous. <laughs> Which makes sense. Like, if you're not from New York, of course you're going to think it's horrible. And it is. <laughs> you know? Whereas, yeah, if you're just in, I mean, if you're in like Mexico City, yeah, maybe you'll get fucking, you know, kidnapped or something. But if you're just in some random place, some random village, like, it's fine. It's, like, nice. Yeah, I thought that was funny that America is kind of... I feel like all of these, like, post-apocalyptic movies from the 80s are coming true. <laughs> you know? Mad Max and stuff is slowly becoming true. But anyway... Uh, so while I had you on the phone, I thought I would also ask you about, because I know I've asked you about it before in my life, but I always just kind of forget about the details. I wanted to ask you about my feet. Because, uh, you know, I guess, like, wh what was the deal when I was little? I had to have weird braces or something on them? Okay, when you were uh, a baby, I would say, were you walking? Um I think it might have been before you started to walk, actually. I must have taken you for a checkup or something, and they said that you had very flat feet. So, But it was around the time that you would have been starting to walk. Because you were a kid that, uh, as I remember, you didn't crawl. You just, like, Mark was different. Mark crawled until he was about 14 or 15 months old, which is old for a kid. Uh, had no interest in getting up on his feet and walking, but no, you didn't crawl. So you were quite young when you started to walk. So you probably had just started to walk. Um, so when you were ten months old, eleven months old, and um, I don't know if I took you to get your feet checked. I don't think I did. I think I must have taken you to the doctor for something else. And some uh, some doctor said uh, they probably saw you walking, and your feet were probably a little odd when you walked. Because if you can imagine a baby walking with flat feet, their little legs are kind of like a little bowed anyway. Right. Uh, there must have been something about the way you were walking anyway. said you had incredibly flat feet. It was a woman doctor you had. And, uh, yeah, we, had the, we got these braces that fit. You just wore them when you were in bed. And they, you wore your shoes in bed. Yes, because you had a little pair of walking shoes that Aunt Lucy had bought you. Um, like little Oxfords. And the, the brace fit on the bottom of the shoe, uh, about where your arch is, and on the other shoe, so that your your feet would be, instead of turning in, your feet would be just straight, flat. And the bar would hold your feet flat. Um, anyway, you didn't wear them for very long, because you always whined and cried about it, and wouldn't go to sleep. And and I'm sure it was bothersome, because you couldn't move your legs when you, when you went to bed. See, you, you just, because your feet, you couldn't, if you moved your feet, you had to move your feet together in unison. Right. So, uh, we had them on you for a while, but I, I don't remember you wearing them for a really long time. Yeah, it's one of those weird little yeah. stories that I always just kind of forget about until, you know, it would come up every decade yeah, or well, so. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have remembered it yeah, at all because you were too little to have any memory of it. Yeah, I guess it's just interesting because, yeah, like as I've gotten older, definitely something weird with my feet. So, yeah, it's just interesting, it's curious about... And, and, and see, Neil's got very flat feet like that. Neil has the flattest feet I've ever seen in my life, although yours look kind of like it, too. No arch. You have, you have no arch. Right. And um, 
and see, and I was always surprised by that because I've got quite high arches, uh, although mine have fallen over the years from wearing crap shoes. But when we were kids, like we always, like we didn't have a whole lot of money for everything, but our mother spent good money on our footgear, and we wore Oxfords as children until we were probably 10 or 11 years old. And then we kind of rebelled and said, hey, why don't we wear those good-looking sneakers or wear that, or wear those old Oxfords. Um, so it, I was surprised that you had such flat feet because I had high arches, and I thought you might inherit those, but you obviously inherited the flat feet from Neil because he's got very flat feet. And I'm noticing as an old man now when uh, Neil has a very strange way of walking, and he always says his feet hurt. And he walks like he's got, he's got very, I think his arches have completely collapsed. Right. Um, but you yourself, yeah, you, you don't have good arches either. I wonder too, like that's obviously part of what I'm going to tell you about my feet stuff that I've learned. I wonder though, I think I might actually have even one leg slightly shorter than the other. Maybe you do. Because uh, I remember there's uh, the guy, the singer for the band Weezer, he had that problem. And uh, man, it sounded like his was like pretty bad. Like he had one leg distinctly shorter than the other. And he had to get, well, he didn't have to, but he, he got this surgery to lengthen his like shin bones where they basically, they kind of break your bone and pull it slightly apart so that it, or a fracture it or something, and then pull it apart enough that new bone will grow. <laughs> and apparently it's horrifyingly, oh. like, painful. <laughs> but it's like, Jesus Christ. But I'm starting to understand why he did this, because, like, I guess what I've been learning about my feet was, uh, and it's interesting, too, just that, I don't know, I've just been let down by doctors so many times in my life. Like, how I went to a, a foot specialist before I went to Amsterdam, and... And I was like, do me up, doc, let's do the whole thing. I don't care if it costs $300 for my fancy, special, custom-made insoles. Like, I just don't want, you know, it's, it's important. <laughs> you know, let's just do this. But she was like, nah, I don't think it's that bad here. Let me just make you these little $30 ones. Like she's doing me a favor. But she isn't, because, <laughs> you know, then I've just had all these problems, and I'm now I'm having to figure out what the problem is by myself. Eventually, I'll go back to another foot doctor. But I don't know, I was thinking that same thing when I went to the urologist and they're like, I mean, they did confirm that I don't have, you know, diabetes or cancer, so that's nice. But they're like, yeah, nothing we can do, though. Just have fun peeing. I don't know. Doctors, man. Highly overrated. Well, the braces that, that you had, I don't know what the intention of them was. Like, they, they weren't just a brace. They were like a they were like a little arch support. See, the little arch support fit inside your shoe. Right. And it would hold your foot straight. And then the brace between the two shoes kind of would just keep your feet from moving around. I don't know, maybe they thought that your feet, as they were developing, the bones would maybe create an arch? I don't know. Anyway, they never followed up on it. And I probably wasn't diligent enough to make you, to insist that you wear them. Because, I, I know we did for a while, but oh, it was such a... You know, the whining and the crying, and no, you didn't want to put them on, and you hated them, and then <laughs> you, you weren't able to talk like that because you were just a baby. Right. Um, and, and you could only wear them when you slept. And the other problem with you, Keith, is you never slept. Right. Well, I still, uh, still have insomnia, like, so there you go. You know, these people who say, oh, I put my baby to bed at 6 o'clock and doesn't wake up to 7 o'clock in the morning. Yes, that was not the case with you. It was like every two hours you were awake. 
And Mark was like that too. I used to tell people, God, I never slept a full night for four years. Uh, so when you had these things on, of course, you'd go to sleep and we'd put them on your feet. But then a couple of hours later, you'd wake up and we'd put them on. <laughs> and then you'd never go back to sleep, of course. If you had them on, so we'd take them off. And you could move your feet around, your legs around, and get comfortable and go to sleep. <laughs> By that time, I was so tired. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to sleep too. Oh, God, i got to put those shoes on the baby. Oh, God. <laughs> right. I have to get up to put the shoes on the baby. I can't be bothered. Well, I, I never really had any problem until, you know, a few years ago. So till my mid-30s. And then, uh, then yeah, this the my feet started to hurt. But, uh, but even that, I ended up solving it myself rather than the the this insoles that this podiatrist gave me didn't fucking do anything but i found there it's an easy fix actually it was just these insoles you can buy at chopper's drug mart that are just for it's called a uh, plantar fasciitis which is not i don't think what i have but it just it's just little heels you put in your shoe and then i was fine but what i learned lately that is like more of a an overall lifelong problem that is also only recently started to be bad but it's just interesting because it's about my shoulder but I figured out that it's because of my feet, which is just like crazy. So basically for my whole life, like if you look back at any of my old ID photos or anything, one of my shoulders is always way lower than the other one. But, but I don't feel like that. It feels normal. But then when I look at these pictures of myself, I'm like, wow, that's so weird. Like why is one shoulder up and one shoulder down? And, uh, and, but again, it's like, whatever, it's just a thing. It never bothered me until the last couple of years. It's just started to hurt, like that shoulder I have to be really careful with. And it just like, if I walk a lot, just because of moving my shoulder blades, it starts to hurt. And you remember when I was back home, I was doing all like trying to do yoga type shit to like, cause I was just trying to figure out what I could do to strengthen this shoulder. And just like, I'd keep trying stuff, but whatever people would describe online, like other people that have this problem, like the techniques to fix it weren't working for me it always just made my shoulder hurt because whatever muscle imbalance they had i had something else like it just wasn't that and it takes a long time because you know i like okay let me try this and then it takes six or eight weeks to see if it's helping or hurting and then try something else you know it's a long process but i think that's another reason why it's not so bad to take things into your own hands instead of just relying on a doctor because uh you know, a doctor has only got 20 minutes to talk to you and he also doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Where, you know, for yourself, you know, you can really take the time to try things out and experiment or whatever. So anyway, just recently, I finally figured out what was wrong. And it's amazing how quick, once I figured it out, everything is like feeling better. So this is the weird thing. I'm gonna try to describe this. It's not that complicated, but it's easier if I had like a diagram I could show you. Basically, why, like it seems so weird that something wrong with your feet would make your shoulders out of balance that doesn't seem like this should be connected or that it makes any sense but it's because your head always wants to be level which makes sense like that's where all your equilibrium is that's where your eyes are like your head is like hey as long as i'm level i don't care what's happening with the rest of the body the rest of the body can go fuck itself i just want to be level that's all that's important so the thing is because either because of my arch or just because my leg is shorter, my left leg is, is shorter than the right one. It's just, just somehow, for whatever reason, I don't know specifically, again, if it's the arches or what, but it's shorter, so it makes my pelvis tilt. So my right hip is higher than my left hip. So, uh, and it's not by a lot. It's like, you know, half an inch or something, but it's enough to, you know, throw things off. 
so when I saw this diagram and I realized this is what is happening with me, so so basically here, let me try to I'll try to explain it. So since my right hip is higher, it, instead of my spine going straight up, it goes to the left a bit. But because my head wants to be level, my back arches back to the right. So my spine starts going left and then curves back to the right so that my head can be straight. But for my head to be straight, it has to, you know, turn left a bit at an angle, which leaves my shoulders out of alignment. Like my left shoulder is high, yeah. my right you know shoulder is down. I get it, and I'm going to tell you something else that might be affecting it. Uh huh. Um, there's a lot of back. Um, it's it's um, it's it's like well, scoliosis. It's my eye got sciatica. Okay, Scoli right. It's, a, it's scoliosis, and your back. You get what's happening is. Uh, your, and usually it's the left side, most people say that it's affecting them. Uh, those little pads in your back, your back, your backbone is not completely straight like it should be. Mm -hmm. Got a little kink in it, where one of the little vertebrae is a little, just a little bit off. And those little pads between your back, in, in, in your back that go down the little cushions, where, where because it's a little off, it's putting pressure on the little pad. And that's what causes the pain, usually in the left leg, of people who have scoliosis. And you may have that too, which would cause your shoulder to be a little lower, your left pelvic bone to be a little lower, and would affect your feet, because they're all tied into one another. Yeah, that's so. the people when they have sciatica, it starts in the back, but oftentimes they feel it in the leg, and sometimes it can go right down to the ball of the feet. Right. Because it's all the nerves that are all tied into that backbone that's being pinched. Yeah. And mine is so obvious, which I didn't realize it, but when I was in the hospital having this operation, which is on my stomach, the doctor was in checking that out, and he kind of looked at my back, and he said, you've got scoliosis. And I said, how do you know that? Because there was no test or anything. He just looked. He was just looking at it. He said, I can tell by looking at it. I can see it's got a dip in it, in your lower back. Oh, I said, okay. I said, it's true, I do have it. <laughs> yeah, that could be contributing also. I'm, I'm going to have to go back to a doctor at some point and, uh, yeah, double check. Because maybe, yeah, maybe it's multiple things that are all And that's a heredity up. thing that on my side of the family. I mean, uh, Margaret Craig had, had, had to have an actual back operation because of her scoliosis. Right. Janet told me that Martin was could have had an operation if he wanted, but I don't think he ever did. Um, Valerie has has it. I've got it. Uh, Colin Smart's got it. Like, like there's any number of it. Yeah, at various degrees, some of it, like, I mean, Margaret Craig's was obviously very serious. Um, and I think Valerie's is, Valerie's, I know, has been laid up a few times with hers, like really seriously laid up. Um, but some of us have it at varying degrees, but we all seem to have it. So it wouldn't surprise me that you've got it too. Yeah, I mean, I think that could be a thing. Obviously, I'll have to look into it. It could be contributing. But uh, but I really think it's the leg-feet thing more. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, 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 but when you think of it, think of it as the big picture, that yes, it could be what you're saying, but if you've got that heredity thing, the back stuff, that certainly could be an additional factor that's accentuating it. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But I was shocked with this foot thing because uh, it even was kind of uh, 
counterintuitive. Like, all I did basically was buy some more of those little plantar fasciitis pads and just put a bunch of them in my left shoe. But you'd think, like, if my right shoulder was low, I would want to put the pads in my right foot, right, to balance it out. But, but I didn't. I followed this little diagram. I put it in my left shoe, and it felt a little weird to walk around for a bit. But just having my left leg elevated an extra half inch or whatever, suddenly my, my hips are level, and then my, my shoulders just leveled out because because again my head just wants to be level <laughs> you know and it's like that's just such a weird just such a weird thing that after two years of dicking around and trying all these different things and like just like wow wow look at that <laughs> it's like like i would literally be kind of jealous watching wrestling and seeing just these guys with these level shoulders and i'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> like why is my shoulder not level and then i guess it's just because um when my shoulder was low, so my head was sort of wrenched to the side, so it just is always just a bit of pressure, too, a little too much pressure on those muscles, and then yeah, just throughout the day, it would just wear it down. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? Like, then I guess there's also the possibility, like, I don't know, maybe if there is also some scoliosis going on, maybe, maybe this, I don't know, I don't think this is, could be making things worse, but it seems like it's just like, hey, look at this, it seems like it's getting better, but... But it's also weird that I guess I just always got to have extra, uh, extra height extra on lift. one shoe. <laughs> yeah, you got to have extra lift. Yeah, so you seem to have got the double whammy, though. You got to, you definitely started off with flat feet. Yeah, I don't know. I will be interested to see if, with the doctor thing. I mean, it seems like the dice are against me on the curved spine thing. But I mean, I can also see my spine easy. I can see all the bones. It it looks looks okay. <laughs> I don't know, it looks fine. I think it might just be the feet, but who knows, maybe it's both. Yeah, but it might be something that you can't see because like I can't, I can't see what they were talking about. But although I do know, I do have a, a dip in my lower back. Right. Into the cave in. And I guess that's where it is. But but I mean, I can't see that my, that my backbone is a little off but I found that out oh, probably about 10 or 12 years ago when I had the sciatica and I couldn't walk so finally I went up to the to the emergency said what the heck? you know like I can't walk and the, and yeah they looked at it and they oh yeah you got yeah, yeah got the little got the dip there in the back and then uh, they explained what it was and then I went home and read about it and and then I started asking people in uh, in our family about it and then you and, realize everyone and then they, yeah there were all kinds of them oh yeah i've got that i've got that i've got that I've got. and i knew that i knew that a whole bunch of them had back ailments they're always complaining about our backs yeah i guess when i get back if i if i come back around christmasy time or whatever i'll have to get get my new health card and go see some doctory people and like insist like don't try to shuffle me off don't try to do me favors by giving me the cheap alternative I'm just fucking do it do all the stuff you gotta do because I was even thinking, like, um, what was the, uh, oh yeah, even with my appendicitis, how they sort of tried to talk me out of getting the operation because my, my inflammation went down, and clearly just because Canada has socialized health care and, you know, they weren't getting anything extra out of taking out my appendix, they're kind of like, you sure you want to get it out? It's probably not a big deal. Because <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do it, basically. Like, I don't know, just doctors, man, it's just such a, ugh, I don't know. I've never been like, wow, what a great doctor. He really helped me. Like, never. 
So I can kind of sympathize with people who, uh, you know, where they're like dragging their feet to go see the doctor and like, I don't want to see the doctor. I can understand it. Like this idea that going to the doctor is going to fix all your problems is fucking not true at all. Like you really got to look after yourself and look into things yourself and yeah, I don't know. You trust the old doctor. I don't know. I don't. It's not been my experience. The one that still plays me to this day is the first time when I had like this operation that I had. It was two years before that I had that terrible, terrible pain that comes with it, and I, I kind of lived with it for about three or four days. And finally, I said, "Oh, I, I figured I might be having a heart attack. I didn't know what I was having." It. So I went up there. They did all those every blessed test under the sun. I'd been there all day long, and then finally, see, the pain went away because I was laying down on a gurney all day long. And then at the end of the day, it was like, oh, we're, to me, this is how I saw it anyway. They were changing shift. It was like 4.30 in the afternoon, and they just came in and said, well, they couldn't figure out what it was. Um, told me I had pneumonia. <laughs> I said, I had pneumonia? Anyway, they, oh, no, you've got pneumonia. Well, geez, well, shouldn't I have, like, congestion in my chest or shortness of breath or something? Oh, no, you've definitely got pneumonia. Here's a prescription. Okay. So then, uh, so I'm getting up, Neil's getting ready to, to pick me up and take me home. And then as they were leaving, they said, well, by the way, the tests showed you have a hiatal hernia. And I said, like, what is it? Oh, well, and they just kind of blew it off. So I still didn't know what it was. So Neil and I left. We haven't filled the prescription. But I said, Neil, I don't think I've got pneumonia. I don't know what I've got, but I haven't got pneumonia. Anyway, I filled the prescription, and the thing went away for a few days. But then I went online, and I said, hey, you hernia. What the hell is that? So I read all about it. And you could control it by diet, supposedly. So I started doing that. And... Every once in a while, I would get these attacks, this terrible pain, you know, across my, like, just above where my stomach is. And then I'd go and lay down, and it would go away. And then I'd say, oh, yeah, that's that damn fatal hernia again. And then finally, like two years later, it just, I started throwing up, and I couldn't stop. So I went to the hospital. And they kept me for four days, did every blessed test under the sun, and said, yeah, this is a serious fatal hernia. So you need to see a specialist about it. So, okay. Uh, went home. Made the appointment to see the specialist. Uh, and I was to see him. It was four, It was a month later. The whole hell thing went to hell in a handcart. And the hernia twisted. It kind of came out of its little stomach pocket where it should have. And twisted. And was caught in a twist. Ow. And I started throwing up again. I couldn't stop. Went back again. And uh, this time, it was smart enough both times, I, I took the blackie piece. It looked like coffee grounds. That's what they called it when I went in. Oh, you've got coffee grounds. Hey, I freaked right out. That's when they operated, because they said, yeah, you've got a twist in it. It's done. Part of your stomach's going to die if we don't do something about it. But there it was, two years earlier. Two years earlier, and they told me it was pneumonia. It was like they couldn't be bothered. They didn't know what it was. Let's get her out of here. She seems to be fine now. Because I laid around all day, so the stomach thing had gone back in where it should have gone. Oh, you got pneumonia, lady, going home. Like, I had no more pneumonia than, than I had, I don't know, a brain tumor. <laughs> I really wonder if it is just because we do have, like, the socialized medicine, and I'm sure there are people that just go to the, the doctor for every dumb little thing. Like, whenever you go to a... Uh, 
like a walk-in clinic, there's always a sign that says, please only bring up one ailment at per visit, you know? So there must be people that just come in with like, here's all my stuff. I feel like we need like a little special card that's like, hey, look, if this person showed up, they they never show up. They don't come to the doctor. Something is wrong. So fucking, you know, pay attention to this well, person. I heard that about Medicare. Just recently I heard this, that if you go to the doctor with two ailments, the doctor can only bill Medicare for one ailment. Right. So, yeah, it was Georgie B. told me. She went to see the doctor about something or other, and she started to mention the second problem that she had. And the, she, was, she was talking to the nurse at that point. And the nurse said, oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to make another appointment for that. And Georgie said, but it's only minor. Like, why can't I just address the two of them together? And the nurse told her, because we can only bill for the first ailment. If you want to be treated for the second ailment, you will have to come back on another day, and then we can bill for that. <laughs> so it's all about money. I really do wonder, too. Like, it does seem like... I don't know, because like with the, this foot that I went to the, the big time foot doctor last time and I'm like, you know, roll out the red carpet for me. I literally don't care. I'll pay the $300 for the special shit. I don't care. Just do it. Do it. Give me all the shit. And they still wouldn't. Like, I wonder if you can just insist, you know, just tell the <laughs> tell whoever these people are. Like, I don't even care what you think or what you want to do. Do it. Do the stuff now. <laughs> I only come to the doctor every like... I don't know, once or twice a decade. Fucking do this stuff. <laughs> like, I saw a guy, it's this dude from Australia who lives in Japan, and uh, he had a video about what it's like to live in Japan when you're not from there. And he actually had a video about doctors in Japan, and he kind of said that. He's like, you know, if you're just firm with your doctor, and just tell them, like, stop dicking me around with all your weird Japanese culture and your stupid shit. Like, they will. They'll just do it. They will treat you different if you make yourself a little bit of a, a problem for them. I don't know, maybe that is what you gotta do. Yeah. I, I believe that, that you do have to kind of take a little bit of charge. I saw that, especially when I was in, that, in the hospital there for that 12 days. There was some poor soul beside me who was not able to do anything for herself. She was kind of out of it all the time. And my God, they totally ignored her. Or, oh, I, I, I thought her treatment was just terrible. And I and I was always saying to myself, you know what, I'm glad I'm, I'm not in the best of shape here, but I'm glad I'm in enough shape that I know what I need to do. I know when somebody comes in here, I can tell them what I, what I need. And I, I actually started keeping a record of stuff. Because sometimes when you they would come in, like you were feeling fine. Oh, how are you feeling? Oh, you're feeling okay. And then they'd leave. And they didn't, like, want to hear anything. So I started keeping a record of things. Like, you know, like in the middle of the night, I had a really severe pain and I couldn't get up. Or I went to the bathroom and I couldn't have a, a bowel movement or whatever. And I recorded it. So then when they came in, I had a whole litany. Oh, yeah, well... You want to know how I am? Here's how, here's how it was. And it's good that I did because after seven days, they were going to ship me out. But I, I'd been feeling kind of like I couldn't breathe or something. So I kept a record of it. Uh, and every, you know, the timing. So when they came in, and I said, I don't think, I, I don't feel well enough to go home. And if I didn't have anything recorded, I couldn't have answered them. So I took out my, and I said, well, 
at this time, you know, I went to get up and I couldn't breathe. And anyway, what it turned out is I was starting to get inflammation on my lungs because I was laying down too long. So they put me on oxygen, and I was there for another five days until that cleared up. I would have gone home, and there would have been nothing here. Right. There would have been no oxygen. Well, that woman on the other side of me, she couldn't talk and say that, but I'd hear her, you know, moaning and talking. A couple times people would come in, and I'd say, I think you better go take a look at her, because she's in a bad way over there, and I was kind of taking care of her. So, yeah, that kind of thing, um, it's like they were just in to kind of, how are you feeling? And they wanted you to say you were feeling fine. And maybe at that moment you were feeling fine. But really, you hadn't been fine. So, yeah, I took out my little notepad. <laughs> there I had the little, that's the note-keeping thing in me. I just can't help myself. You know, that I had a problem here. And two hours later, you know, I got up and, you know, I couldn't breathe and, so that's when they said, geez, better go check that out. And sure enough, five days later, I was finally let out. I remember with my uh, appendix thing, where uh, apparently it's like extremely unusual that my appendix receded, you know? Normally it just starts to inflame and inflame and inflame and then you die. And in, in my case, it somehow went back down. And it just, I thought it was so funny that they were trying to talk me out of the surgery of just like, they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, eventually, yeah, this is going to happen again. And it'll inflame and inflame and inflame till you die. But just when you start to feel the pain, you just come in and have the surgery then. We don't need to do this right now. <laughs> and I was like, I had to kind of walk them through, like, okay, put yourself in my shoes. Okay, if I'm just dicking around in Canada, that's not the... It's still crazy advice, but if I've got a few days before my appendix explodes, hey, I could get to a hospital. What if I'm in Africa? What if I'm in Japan? What if I'm somewhere else? Just take out my fucking appendix. And they're like, all right. Okay. <laughs> just that I had to have that discussion with a bunch of doctors. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, obviously, socialized medicine, it makes way more sense than, like, crazy shit in the States where, you know, a snake bite costs two grand or something but but there's obviously something weird about it <laughs> it's just like ugh, like we just don't want to do this stuff and it does get misused i mean you're right there are people who go up for every freaking little thing like i told you about that when Dwayne had that little pimple on his nose or yeah, yeah. He cut off with a pair of nail clippers or whatever i mean for christ's sake <laughs> If I had known that, I wouldn't have taken them. Would have taken a handful of snow and put it on his freaking nose. Yeah, I really do think. I mean, it would be, you know, it would be a big uproar, of course. But I would love it so much if you did kind of get bonus points on your little Medicare card of like, hey, if this person hasn't been to the the hospital in the past five years, then pay attention. This is not one of the people that just shows up. <laughs> you know, like with that appendix thing, man, like. I had never been in so much pain before I finally went to the hospital. You know, I was like, wow, I'm going to die. I better go to the hospital. Like, yeah, I didn't just run. I mean, which is not a good way to be necessarily, but, but yeah, it's just that I'm going to try to deal with it myself first. Once oh, I'm yeah, and see, I'm like that, too. Like, I mean, I, I only go, well, when you're I'm throwing, up, throwing up and I can't stop, you yeah. know? It's pretty serious stuff about that. Or or for four days, you've had this pain across your... That's the very first time I went when they said I had pneumonia. 
um, you know, but certainly don't run up there every time you've got a cold and cough. And Craig, sometimes you go up there, and if you're not sick when you go in, you'll be freaking sick when you come out. People are hacking and barking, sitting around, and yeah. Well, like when you were telling that story about Dwayne and just sitting in the emergency room, like I've never sat in the emergency room. You know, <laughs> like when I went there for the appendix thing. It's like, hey, all these other people, they can sit in the emergency room. You got to go in because you're about to die. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I've never been that and guy who's just sitting around. Yeah, the only time that I ever sat for a fairly long time is when I had, when I went up with the sciatica stuff. Right. Um, that was years and years ago when I couldn't walk. And I only went up because I said, I can't figure out what the hell's wrong here. So, uh, and I, went, well, I was on crutches. I went finally said to Neil, go get me some crutches, Jesus, I can't walk. And so then finally we went up. And I did sit, and I don't mind that waiting around. If, there, if there's nothing serious, you're not, you're not dying. Right. But any other time that, uh, you know, like when I went up with this, that, this thing and I went, I was smart enough though, not just to say, oh, I've got a stomach pain or whatever. I had this coffee cup and I had puked in it, put the cover on it, no. and when I went in, Hey, what's the problem? And I just put it on the desk and took the cover off. Said that right there. <laughs> Guess what it is? See, it was old dried blood. Right. So, oh, hey, radiant. And so then, the, and the second time when they did the operation, same thing. I said, well, Daniel, well, I'm going. So we better go up there and puke into the cup. <laughs> I said, get me a cup. <laughs> puke into the cup. And I went sat at the desk and took the lid off and said, there it is. Oh my God! Like, you that's actually, there I like that. That's a good technique of, yeah, like just have some evidence, some proof. <laughs> yeah, have something, something because if you're trying to explain it, you don't know what it is. But see, I also knew what it was. But by those last two times, I knew it was a hiatal hernia by that time. And I said, I've got a hiatal hernia problem here. There's, there's the cop. Ooh, ooh, yeah, Gabby Grant, better call somebody. But any other time, you know, like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but... You're up there, and like I remember taking you kids up when you had ear infections. Right. And there's nothing you can do except take take the kid up and get some antibiotics. But you you know you'd sit there for four and five hours, and then you go home and you'd be real tired. And, but you know what? It wasn't life threatening. Yeah, never life threatening. I remember one time specifically, and man, I'm glad I don't get migraine headaches anymore. That's for sure. But I just remember one time when I was like early teens I guess and I had a real bad headache I just remember I was waiting in the car because you pre-called the hospital and then you came out and you were like like let's not bother the waiting like it's a long wait at the hospital and I was like yeah all right and yeah and then it just whatever went away so I'm glad I'm glad we didn't go <laughs> you know and I one other time that, that we they went took us right in um, when you were a kid you fell off something down at the yeah then I got a wood chip in my in my my lip yeah, and Mrs. Hughes called me, and I went down to get you, and she came up with us, and we they took us right in. She drove us up. She must have driven us up, because I don't think I had a car. Anyway, they took us right in, just bam. Yeah, I've still got that scar. I can feel it still. Yeah, and I guess that's the kind of... That actually happened to me, I don't know, three weeks ago. I fell on some rocks, and I took a huge chunk out of my shin, and that was like where I... It was so deep, like really creepy. Like there's just a big piece of meat missing in my leg. And I was like, does this need stitches? Cause that's the only time I've ever had stitches was that thing in my, in my, uh, my lip. 
but I was like, I wonder if this is the kind of thing you need stitches for, because it, it was just like, man, bleeding like crazy. <laughs> like, wow, this is fucked up. But instead I just got, I got like the hugest band-aid that you could get at Shoppers Drug Mart. And I kind of like pushed the skin together and then put this giant band-aid on. And like, I'm definitely gonna have a scar there, but it's fine now, it's, yeah. But I was a little worried. I'm like, I wonder what the point is where your skin is not gonna close on its own and you're just gonna bleed to death. But I'm fine, so you know. So anyway, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's about it. Traveling and doctors and random killing. I think we covered all the, all the topics yep, of the day. high water, low water. <laughs> so when is it you're leaving? To, it's two more months, is it? Uh, no, one just this month here, and then I'm oh, going to be in Montreal in June and July. So I'll definitely give you a call from Montreal, because this is a weird thing. Like, you know, this little podcast, it's not like it has a ton of listeners, but it's got some people that are into it. And one guy commented, he's like, oh, you were in Montreal and you didn't call home? And I was like, well, I did call home. I just didn't record it. But it's like, it's just a funny idea. Like, how is that going to be any different? Who cares if I'm calling from, from Vancouver or I'm calling from Montreal? But I figure I should make sure to call you from Montreal and do a, like a Montreal podcast. Because I guess it's true that we never did that. No, no, and then you can uh, you can do a little off <laughs> Yeah, well, I remember calling you the first time I called you from Montreal. It would have been a podcast. It would have made me look bad anyway, because I just remember I couldn't get over how short everybody was. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, French culture is a lot of inter, you know, just French people marrying French people. And they're just short. They're just short people. <laughs> it's like... Like, well, I can't say I've ever noticed that the few times I've been to Montreal. I can't say I've noticed everybody is short. Yeah, I mean, the French people are short. The English people are normal height. But it's, you know, it's real easy to pick out a French person because, you know, they all have similar sort of facial features and whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and yeah, they're, they're very short. It's like that thing when you see uh, suits of armor in, like, that was the, of all the, museums in Manhattan. None of them really did it for me except the uh, one that had all the medieval armor and stuff. I can't remember what that museum's called. Because like, you know, the MoMA and all this bullshit, I could give a fuck. But it's cool to see old suits of armor. And they're just little. Just oh, people yeah, the were average, little. The average man was about five feet tall in those days. Yeah, and it's like kind of funny to think about all these like ancient battles and wars and guys with swords acting like they're all tough. But they're just these little silly ass midgets stabbing each other. Small <laughs> <laughs> little guys. Yeah, those suits of armor must look like they're for a kid. Yeah, it's like just it's silly to me. It's silly looking. But uh, but anyway, that's uh, it's obvious. You wonder how do they drag them around? Because my God, those things weren't light. Yeah, and and that's kind of the thought I had with like just the the French population in Quebec is like they're obviously kind of stranded in their own little thing, and uh, yeah, they've just been marrying each other and not spreading as much as everyone else so they're still real short that's <laughs> just how it is <laughs> generally speaking but yeah i mean that's obviously what kind of opinion is that that's even just i'm obviously just a weird dumb dick <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but i just couldn't i couldn't i don't know i mean it's similar out here like most asian people are short it's just so i don't know i just always notice that it's like oh look at which, which cultures are short which ones are tall like the dutch they are tall as fuck that's the only place i've ever been in the world where i didn't feel tall like usually if i get on a bus anywhere even in like the states in new york and whatever i'm always taller than most people but not not in nether in the netherlands everyone was as tall as me <laughs> it's like wow these people are tall 
I don't know, I just always notice that type of junk. You know what's funny, too? I just too? think if you could straighten out your shoulder, you might even be a little taller. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's funny, too, to think about uh, how, like, when you've known people your whole life, like, it only occurred to me, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, that I'm taller than Brad. I'm, like, quite a bit taller than Brad. But because in my memory, he was always taller than me in our whole childhood, in my mind, he's just taller than me. And then all of a sudden, I just had this weird realization that I'm like, oh, wait, I'm actually taller than him. I've been taller than him for 15 years. <laughs> yes, you have been, because he's probably only about, I don't think he's all that, he might be 5'11-ish, maybe. Yeah, it's just something in your brain. Like, to me, our house is not blue, it's still brown. <laughs> like, even though it's been blue for 25 years. But, yeah, just once you get that thing in your head, like, that's just how it is. So anyway, yeah, I guess I will let you go. This has been a pretty long podcast, so that's cool. And uh, yes, I'll probably call you again from from good old Montreal. Oh, that's the other neat thing with the Montreal trip. So just by coincidence, the month fell on the wrong day. The 1st of June is a Friday. And I'm like, oh, that sucks because I, I just book everything by the month. And that you know that's obviously a more expensive day to fly. And I don't need to fly on a Friday, I don't care. I was thinking of maybe putting it off an extra few days just so I could fly on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and not have to pay a bunch of money. But also, flying from the west coast to the east coast is awful because you lose so much time. So it's like impossible to get anywhere at a reasonable time. Like even if I leave at the crack of dawn, it'll be like 8 p.m. by the time I get to Montreal. So what I figured out is instead I got a flight that leaves 10 p.m. Thursday night and then I just fly overnight and it's really cheap because no one wants to fly overnight it's like the it's flight like a red eye flight right? yeah so the flight was like 200 some dollars 250 it was real good deal and then I get to Montreal at like 8 a.m. so it's like awesome I'll take it uh-huh yeah that's like a, we the last time I went out to visit Bill my brother Bill we took uh, well we were called they called it the red eye flight which left at midnight from Edmonton and got in Montreal about, I'm going to say about 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning. Right. And then uh, we took the flight to Fredericton and we were, we were here in Fredericton maybe, you know, I don't know, I don't know when, sometime in the morning. But yeah, it was great flying overnight and the plane wasn't crowded and uh, it was nice and quiet. Uh, some people had their little movie thing on, but uh, it, just was, it was a, yeah, decent flight. And it was definitely right on midnight that we left. And I guess, too, this might tie into my not being able to sleep as a little baby and everything, but I still, I hate trying to fall asleep early, and I hate waking up early. It's just impossible. But I can stay up late. That's easy. So it's actually more fun to me. The idea of staying up all night and going on a flight, that's like a fun, like, oh, this would be cool. Whereas if I had to try to get up, at 5 a.m. to get to the airport to get on a plane like oh fucking nightmare <laughs> so yeah this is great it worked out well all around good good yeah and i'm definitely i'm just excited to go back to montreal just a cool place and again yeah and it's hey like, you know what there's not much to see when you're in the airplane so you might as well be flying in the dark yeah exactly yeah maybe i'll even fall asleep on the airplane not likely but you never know it's possible yeah you don't really fall asleep you just do the little light dose yeah but yeah, it's so much nicer to fly from east to west. I love that. Like that time when I came out here and I got delayed 
all afternoon and I got that $400 voucher. I mean, it was just win, 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 because I like hanging out at an airport. I think it's fun. And I got $400 for missing a flight that I didn't give a shit about anyway. And even with that delay, I still got into Vancouver at like 7 p.m. It was just great. Well, now you can get into Montreal at 8 a.m. and hit all the rush hour traffic. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice, too, because I've got, I've got like, in my, my uh, wallet, I've got all of my different subway cards for all the different cities, because Toronto just rolled out their card last year. So I've got my BC one, my Montreal one, and my Toronto one. So I just load it up, take transit. Man, that's one last thing I really should go, because I also got to pee. I just drank a huge iced coffee. But, man, one thing, I mean, I've just... You know, I get rubbed the wrong way by cars a lot in general just because I'm a pedestrian, you know, and cars are scary and dangerous and, you know, they can kill you. And uh, what I've been noticing lately, though, it just drives me nuts, is every time, and probably this is just like, what's it called, confirmation bias. It feels like every time, but it's probably just that I only notice every time this happens. But when you get these people that are like aggressively wanting to turn and kind of edging their way around a corner and just being unnecessarily aggressive to people that are just trying to walk across a goddamn crosswalk if you look around that corner to where they're trying to get to they always seem to just be trying to get to an immediate red light you know like they're just killing themselves to try to turn this corner as fast as possible just so they can go get stopped at a red light and it's like like are our drivers really that in their own little bubble that they don't pay any attention to what's immediately coming up next because it yeah. just, man, it yeah. drives me nuts. a lot of them are. It's like, it's so, like, it's just so uncomfortable to even walk in front of a car. And especially if it's, like, inching forward. It's like, I just want to, like, fucking kick the bumper and be like, fuck you. What are you fucking doing? Where are you trying to get to? There's a red light right there. There's cars stopped right there. <laughs> like, I'm not holding you up. Sometimes, too, though, a car is like an extension of a person's personality. Like, they feel like the big shot. They've got the big armor all around them. And yeah, totally. I can kill you. You know, you're just the guy who's walking in the street. There's actually a, a report that I read about uh, some article I read where it was about, you know, those big sports utility vehicles. And uh, it was an actual article made by one of the automotive companies where they were doing market research and they found like this isn't even like just some some outside opinion the actual car company found that the people most likely to buy these big SUVs are people that are like uh, insecure you know uh -huh. <laughs> like they have big good jobs and live in fancy neighborhoods but they're just worried about what other people think about them and they're not secure in themselves and like there was this weird uproar about this article about like, fuck you, you can't say that about me. But it's like, dude, this isn't some kind of opinion piece. This is the company you bought that car from thinks this about you. <laughs> like, who are yeah, you mad at exactly. right now? <laughs> exactly. So you're some little wimp of a type and the bigger the vehicle you've got, the bigger the extension of your personality. Like you can really show off in that big car. Man, and one thing, I mean, again, this might just be confirmation bias. Like I might just only be logging whenever this happens but the more i get older the more i find like cliche and uh and uh it's just it's true you know every stereotype is true and i know comedians have been making fun of 
Asian women drivers since the 80s. Like it's well-worn territory. And maybe it's just that I'm in a part of the world with tons of Asians. But every fucking time lately that someone is being a real dick and almost hitting me and like sideswiping my, just like being way too aggressive. I look in the window and it's some old Asian lady over and fucking over. And and it might really be something about, because then it's always older ones. Like maybe these are, you know, like the first generation who came over from actual China where they have crazy ass traffic laws and no one gives a shit. And they're just like to them, they probably feel like they're driving real careful compared to China, but they're driving like goddamn maniacs compared to Canada. And it's just like it's happened enough times that I'm like, I get that this is just an old bit, but what the fuck is happening? Is this a really a thing? Is this where this bit came from? <laughs> like, You'll just, have to, when you get to Montreal, I'll start seeing if little French ladies, little old French ladies are yeah. doing the same thing. Man, Montreal is the best place to be a pedestrian that I've ever been because they have, uh, like, you can't turn right on a red and the traffic signals are really languid. Like, it's like, okay, orange light red light everyone stop oh there's the walk sign oh people walk everyone stop okay now a green light like it's so calm it's awesome <laughs> it's the best <laughs> so uh yeah montreal is just it's just a nice place to walk around and also i guess it's because i was in you know i was saying i was in that place surrey man talk about a car culture like you can really tell when you're in a part of a city where people don't walk and that's absolutely surrey like it's just cars everywhere and how I really knew it was a car culture is uh, there was this Walmart out there where like when you look at the Walmart it's like there's a sign that says Walmart but there's nothing there it's just a parking lot and I'm like well where's the Walmart and it was just this little entrance where you go down some stairs like to underground and underground there was a big huge underground parking lot and the entrance to the Walmart was across from the underground parking lot so the Walmart is underground Oh. And yeah, like you're like a second-class citizen to come in by foot. You're supposed to come in by car. And so it's across from this big underground parking lot. And on top of it is another parking lot. It was crazy. Like it felt like being in a sci-fi story where it's like you're on a planet with bad air or something. So there's just like a little tiny entrance from the outside. But you want to go underground to get to the place. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's like, again, it's just like every dumb little stereotype and every little cliche it's all true like surrey is cars they are all about cars <laughs> and, uh, and there's just no denying it so yeah i don't know well you've certainly had an education out there yeah yeah i think the best place that i found is port coquitlam like i just found it because there, it's the place where i was up on that mountain and everything but just like there's a new sky train that goes out there and that's been my best discovery this time is like man it's maybe it's because they didn't have a skytrain until last year so it's just kind of untouched it's like its own little place and it's mountains and it's beautiful and it's just awesome and and it's like the opposite it has all these like little hiking trails and stuff and like it's it's all set to be a pedestrian and then you go across the river into surrey and it's just like where's your car <laughs> you know what are you doing walking around here yeah, I always figure too, I mean, probably this is just a sign of me becoming a weird, bigoted old man, but I don't know, if people don't want their stereotype to be true, then be different, you know? It's not my fucking fault that everyone is acting like their neighbor. Like, they're the ones that are doing this, that are making their little 
pocket of life so incredibly easy to put in a box because they're all just acting the same. Like, if you don't want someone to point it out, then act different. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. I should have known too, like at this place in Surrey, the first thing the guy said to me, he's like, okay, here's the room. Have you got a car? Like, do you need parking? <laughs> like, I just kind of brushed that off, but no one's ever asked me that before. I'm a fucking guy who just takes the cheapest Airbnb. Why would I have a car? But this guy's so deep into cars. He's like, well, what are you even here for? Why do, why, why are you walking How around? did you get here? Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you even don't that, have a car, how did you get here? Yeah, because even that, that's right by that old growth forest place I was talking about. And uh, so like to walk from, you got to go to the end of the SkyTrain to, it's called King George Station. And it's like end of the line. Then you got to walk uh, for another 20 minutes probably past you know gas stations and traffic and then you can walk for about half an hour through this awesome forest and I was like wow you guys get that big forest right there that's great and he seemed a little surprised like oh you walked through that like <laughs> it's like I don't know just cars man I just I just I really don't like them I'll be so happy when they just go away and we run out of fossil fuels <laughs> and everyone just learns how to deal with it I like oh, it's one, something, well, something will come to replace it, though. Well, and it's one thing if you live in in, uh, in the sticks or whatever. Like, that's understandable. Even in, like, Fredericton, I'd say. Like, you know, to go anywhere, you kind of need a car. But not in a city. Here, you're just making your life miserable. And, like, in New York was even more so. It's expensive. It's unuseful. Parking is insane. It's slow. It's dangerous. Like, just take the goddamn subway. I don't know why that's such a weird... It's like, ah, oh, but I'm affluent. I've hit a certain point in life where I can afford a car, so I must have it. I don't like it. Anyway, I'm about to pee my pants, so I really should go. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my ranting. All right, so I'll talk to you from Montreal next time. Okay. Have a safe trip. Thank you. All right, bye. Okay, bye-bye.